Hey, this is Noah Fritchie, and I'm the lead pastor of Real Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. We are starting a brand new teaching series called The Real Jesus. And this series is something that I have been looking forward to for such a long time. In fact, let me just tell you this story that I really wanted, um, I had this series planned and it was going to be the the perfect time in in our church history to do this series while everybody was in the building. In fact, I've been a a little uh, hesitant to do it online because I just really wanted to preach this series in person. And so I've been holding back with this series for a little while, but I just think that you guys online are worthy and you deserve this series. So I'm really excited about this series because uh, just to be completely honest and transparent, this series just comes from the depths of my heart. It comes from what I believe, who I believe Jesus was, and not just who he was, but who he is. And that the, the, the living, risen Savior can live inside of your life today, that just gets me excited. But here's the thing that I know about Jesus and about religion and about how uh, religion has portrayed Jesus. It's, it's really messed up the view of who Jesus is. And so what I'm going to do in this series is I just want to uh, really help teach you the trait and personality of who I believe Jesus was. And everyone has their ideas about Jesus. In fact, you at home, you probably have your own distinct idea about Jesus. In fact, even when you think about Jesus, there's probably this picture that pops up in your head where you, uh, you, you, you just know that that's, that's what my Jesus looks like. Everybody has an idea, a conception about who he is. But can I tell you that most of our conceptions about Jesus, they're not based on Scripture. They're mostly based on traditions that we've heard in the past and all this different thing, all these hearsay traditions that we've heard, but it's actually not based on what the Bible says. And so today, what I want to do is I just want to set the record straight. I want to help you on the other side of that screen. I want, you, I want to help you know Jesus better. I think that's the goal, and I think that should be the goal of any church, is to help people know Jesus better. Why do I want you to know him better? Because I believe that when you know him, you will, you will begin to love him. And when you, when you begin to love him, it's some of the greatest love that you'll ever have in your life. And can I tell you that when you see what the Bible says, you'll naturally begin to know who Jesus is, and you'll naturally begin to love him. That's just what happens. And so today I'm going to share a scripture. In fact, this scripture I just really feel like sums up everything that we're going to be talking about in this series. This is really my heart um, for this series. It's found in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1. And I put it in the message translation because I just love how the message translation sometimes can help us understand scripture a little bit better. Here's what the message says. It says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. Here's what he says. Here's, here's, what the, here's what the apostle says. He says, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. I think as a church, that should be our goal. I think we should deliberately keep 
the gospel plain and simple. And he even lines it out. He says, first, Jesus and who he is. And then, Jesus and what he did. And then, Jesus crucified. That's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. And really, before we jump into today's topic, I just want to stop right here. And I just want to pray. I just want to ask the Lord that we would be able to understand, not just with our minds, but I'm just going to ask the Lord that through this stream, that he would just open hearts to understand his word today. Let's pray wherever you're at. Lift your hands. Father, we just thank you so much for meeting us wherever we are. God, we thank you that it is a special opportunity to get to meet with people. And Lord, we just thank you that you are right where we're at. And God, I'm just asking that the Holy Spirit would just dwell in that, in that place and that the Holy Spirit would just be with them to help open up their ears, open up their mind, open up their hearts to receive and hear a word from you today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And we thank you that you are going to illuminate the path for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, today we are talking about a really interesting trait of Jesus. Here's what we're talking about. Jesus wants to relate to you personally. Jesus wants to relate to you personally. And I know for a lot of people, that's really hard to understand, that the God of the universe wants to relate to you personally. And I don't know if you have a lot of close friends or maybe you've got a lot of close family, but one of the things that I love about close friends and close family is, is the whole nickname aspect of things. I'm, I'm a huge fan of nicknames. I, I love nicknames for people. In fact, if you're around me a whole lot um, and I get really comfortable with you, uh, in fact, I think Emily asked me this week, why in the world do you call all your guy friends ladies? <laughs> if you're around me, you know that every time that I'm, I, I'm around my friends, I'm just like, hey, ladies, and just, you know, it's just a, it's just a nickname. It's just a joke. I'm a huge fan of nicknames. I think nicknames actually bring you closer to a person. And uh, I, I, it's, it's like you're, you're, you're not just going to walk up to a stranger and, and be like, hey, hey what, 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 I, would, I wouldn't walk up to a stranger and say, oh, what, what's up, ladies? That, that's, not what, that's not what I would do. No, no, no. That's not how it works. But I do believe that nicknames <laughs> would tend to describe people better. In fact, I knew, I knew a guy uh, while I was out in Tulsa that his nickname was just Fatty. <laughs> you can probably guess why. Like, I, I, it, it, and he didn't take any offense to it. It was just fun. In fact, I think that, uh, that nicknames like that, I think men are like the kings of bad nicknames. Like they just got, <laughs> they, all their friends are probably called uh, the worst things ever. Like, uh, it, I just think it's funny to see that men, men can get away with it. Like I heard this story about, you know, if ladies go out to eat, like if you got Sally, Martha, and Susan, and they all go out to eat, they're going to call each other Sally, Martha, and Susan. But if three guys go out to eat, Chris, John, and Mark, uh, it, it's scrappy, Godzilla, and ugly, right? They're all around the table. Uh, guys just have those type, that's the relationship that they have. You know why? Because it brings you closer in that relationship. Not only does it bring you closer, but it can also describe the relationship. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that Jesus understands because Jesus had a nickname. 
In fact, you might not know it. Let me show you in Scripture. Matthew 1, verse 21. This is the birth of Jesus. Here's what it says. It says, she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. So Jesus is his name because he will save people from their sins. So Jesus, actually, if you don't know this, Jesus was actually a common name. In fact, in many cultures, Jesus still is a common name. Jesus, that's a very, very common uh, name. And so Jesus has this common name, but in Matthew 1, 23, we see that not only does he have a common name, but it also says the, the virgin will be with child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so I want you to see that Jesus had a nickname. <laughs> they nicknamed Jesus when he was born. Why? Why did they do that? It's because it brings you closer to a person and it describes their relationship better. You see, when they nicknamed Jesus, the reason that they gave him the name Emmanuel is because it means God with us. And so the name Jesus, Emmanuel, his nickname literally describes the relationship better and draws us closer to him. Jesus is God with us. In fact, one of the most unique characteristics uh, to those people back in the day about Jesus wasn't the fact that someone uh, will, will save someone from their sins. They were celebrating something so much more. Not only did they care about Jesus saving them from their sins, but they were celebrating because the God that they had looked up to there, uh, throughout all of history, that God who was just in a box in the temple and the Ark of the Covenant, where that's where his spirit dwelt, that faceless being, that is, not, that is no longer the God that they were going to serve. Instead, the God that they were going to serve is the God who was right here in flesh and blood, the God who is with them. And a lot of you, that's how you think of God. You think of God as this faceless being. As this person who doesn't want to be close or connected with you. Hey, Jesus was a human. In fact, many of you, you still call him by his real name. But so many Christians around, they've never known him as Emmanuel. As the God who is up close and personal. I want you to see that Jesus is God with us. He's close. He's personal. Jesus is my best friend. It's the attitude that you should have with God. Not just, not just Jesus, but you need that Emmanuel, that God with us. I want you to see what John says in John chapter 1, verse 4. He says the word, which... They, they had always had. So when John would say the word, it would, it would literally, they would know what he's talking about. They, these tablets that they've had. They've always had, they've always had these tablets. They've always had the Ten Commandments. They, they've had the word. But John says, he gets excited. John says, you know what? But that word became flesh. And it's dwelling among us. I want you to see. That Jesus didn't just come to teach on a hillside. 
I think a lot, of, a lot of our pictures of Jesus is Jesus on this evergreen hillside, and he's just sitting there all peaceful, and, and, uh, and he's just giving us some instructions, and then later he's going to pay for our sins. Jesus is so much more than that. In fact, when you look at the story of Jesus, you can see that he spent the majority of his life not doing that. What are you talking about, Pastor Noah? I'm saying that Jesus, he didn't even start doing the side of Jesus that most of the world knows until he was about 30 years old. And he only spent three years actually doing that, actually being on the hillside, actually teaching. He only spent three years doing that. Well, what was he doing? Well, from birth to 30, Jesus, he actually spent his life doing something very different. He was just there, Jesus, on earth, experiencing life as you and I know it. In fact, as far as we know about Jesus, he didn't even heal anyone. He didn't, he, he, he didn't, uh, he didn't perform any miracles before uh, the Bible says he turned water into wine at this wedding uh, was actually his first miracle. And so for the first 30 years, we, he, didn't even, he didn't even perform any miracles. We don't know if he even healed anyone. For the first 30 years, you want to know what Jesus is doing? Jesus is being a human. <laughs> He's being a person. He's going through life. He's experiencing everything there was to know about life. Why did he do that? Because he wants to relate to you. I don't know if you know this or not, but our God desires to relate to you. In fact, he spent most of his life, the Bible says, as a carpenter. That was his dad's profession. He went into his dad's profession of being a carpenter. He was in the wood shop. He was working. And not only was he working, but he was dealing with customers, probably some unhappy customers. He probably built some stuff wrong before. He was just living life. Can I tell you, before Jesus ever preached before he ever taught anything, before he ever healed anyone, and before he died on the cross, can I tell you, Jesus just lived life. So Jesus was. In fact, look at this verse, Hebrews 2.17. This comes out of the message translation, too. I love what it says. It says, that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. You see, why did he wait till 30 to get started with life? It was so that when he came before God as high priest, guess what? It, it, here, here's what? Here's what the scripture is telling us. It's telling us why he did that. It's saying, well, one day he, he, was, go, he, he was going to go and he was going to be seated at the right hand of God. And that's where he is right now. And, I, and I'm thankful that he's there right now. But, but the Bible says that he needed to go through every detail. Why? The verse goes on to say, so that he would have already experienced it himself. All the pain. Think about it. All the pain. All the testing. And he would be able to help where he was needed. I don't know if you know this. But Jesus wanted to make sure that when you pray, that when you go to him, he would understand what you're going through. 
It was so important to him that he lived 30 years on earth to learn what it's like to be in your seat. You see, so many people, they just don't see Jesus in that way. They only see Jesus as the picture of him on the cross. They only see Jesus in heaven, sitting at the right hand of God. I just want to challenge you today. What if you would just begin to see him as a friend? As someone that understands the pain that you're going through. Hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna sympathize with somebody, think about this. If you're gonna sympathize with somebody, and if you want to comfort somebody that you know that maybe is going through a, lar- a hard time. I want you to know that your level of comfort can only be to the degree that you've experienced it yourself. Think about that. Your level of comfort can only be to the degree that you've experienced it yourself. Let me explain. If you go to someone who, say, has cancer, but you've never had cancer before, you can say, well, I really feel for you, but the truth is you, you really don't. You have no idea what it's like to have cancer because you've never had it. But if you've gone through chemo, if you've lost your hair, if you've had the treatments, and you go and you minister to someone who is going through the same thing, (laughs) you bring sympathy and you bring that understanding to a whole new level. Listen, I understand more about what it's like to have a family member going through cancer. We're in the middle of that battle right now. But can I tell you, when people go through it now with a loved one that they know, can I tell you that I'm a better pastor in that area because I I, I now freshly understand what it's like to have a family member going through something like that. Because I know, because I've been there before. Can I tell you that there is absolutely nothing in your life that you have been through or will go through that Jesus does not understand firsthand. That's why he spent 30 years. He spent 30 years experiencing what you would go through before he ever taught, before he ever healed, before he ever shared, before he ever died. He was just living and just going through stuff, and he just understands. He wanted to understand so that he can understand what you're going through. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you, before we leave today, I want to give you three things that Jesus understands. And I hope that you, this helps you realize that the, that the person in these songs that we just sang about, the person that we just said, you are good, the, the person that changes everything, he was a human. And not only was he a human, but if you're taking notes, here's the first point. He, he, he understands relationships. Jesus understands relationships. He had a family. <laughs> Jesus has a family. In Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it says this. It says, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. He had brothers. 
Not only that, but the Bible says, aren't his sisters here with us? I want you to notice the plural on sisters. Now, it doesn't give the sister's name, but uh, this is the only, actually the only place in Scripture where we get the names of his half-brothers. And after, I, I don't know if you know this, but after Mary had Jesus, Mary and Joseph, they got, they got married, and they had at least, they had, all these, he had, they had all these kids, and at least Jesus had two sisters, because sisters is plural. So let's, let's just say that at the least, Jesus had six siblings, and can I tell you that anyone with siblings, I only have one sibling, but anyone with siblings knows that Jesus had to be like duct taped to a chair at one point. You know what I'm talking about? Like he had, he, he had to have some issues with his siblings at one point or another. They had everyday life issues. Like can you imagine? Can you imagine being like a brother or sister to Jesus? Think about that. Think about what the kids are saying to their mom. Like, mom, mom, Jesus told me everything that I've ever done again. And he wasn't even there like it's just it's not fair like listen Jesus had the dynamic of family not only did Jesus have the dynamic of family but there's some of you sitting on the other side of the screen and you're like well I, I, but but Jesus he, he has no idea what it's like for me to be single right now can I tell you he does he knows what it's like to be single in fact the Bible says that Jesus was tempted at all points. That means he even understands what it's like to be attracted to the opposite sex. Well, yeah, but Pastor Noah, I know something. I've got you on something. You know what? Jesus was never married. He never got married. I got you, Pastor. Well, not so sure about that. The Bible describes Jesus as the groom of the church. And the Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ. So not only does Jesus know what it's like to be married, but I challenge you with this. He knows what it's like when his wife is unfaithful. Because it happens every day. Church is unfaithful every day. Listen. Jesus knows. He knows what it's like to have friends that betray him. And think about the story where he's on his way to the cross, and in the moment that Jesus needed Peter the most, in the moment that Jesus needed his friend the most, Peter three times denies him and says, I don't even know who the guy is. I tell you that that's not just wrote in there for some great drama in the Bible. Listen, Jesus wanted to understand what you were going through. The Bible even describes that his natural brothers and sisters even thought that he was out of his mind. In fact, we, we just did a study in Mark, and in Mark chapter 3, Jesus has cast out a demon. Like, what a great thing for Jesus to do. And his family turns against him. And, 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 and they get upset and here's what they say. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 3, verse 21. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Can you even Im just imagine that with me? If you ever needed someone in your life to believe in you, you would think that it would be your family. But I think it's wrote in there so that you can understand that Jesus understands relationships. He understands relationships. 
not only does he understand relationships, but he also understands life. If you're taking notes, write that down. He understands life. He understands what some of you are going to go through tomorrow morning when you wake up. You're going to have to get up, get dressed, and go to work. Why? Because Jesus had a job. He was a carpenter for 18 years, the people believe. You know what bugs me about religion? It's the fact that we have painted Jesus so far from where he actually is. Listen, if a man spends 18 years of his life as a carpenter, which is more than anything else that he did, by the way, in his life, even more than ministry, wouldn't it make sense that the pictures that the artist would paint and draw wouldn't be that milky white skin with a long robe on? I think it would be something more like jeans, a t-shirt, and a tool belt. Like, that's the real Jesus to me. That's who he was. He was tough. Listen, guys, he didn't have a nail gun. He didn't have a power saw. He was a tough carpenter. You see, men, we think of this. We, I, I, Jesus is so, such a tough subject for a man, I think. We, because when we think of Jesus, we think of the sissified, gentle, really soft-spoken guy. No, 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 no. Listen, Jesus had to deal with upset customers. I'm sure Jesus had people who didn't pay him for his work. Jesus had to pay taxes. He lived through a horrible economy. That's who Jesus is, and it was all on purpose. And you see, just as important as the preaching and teaching and the healing that he did, it, he, he went through those things. I'm not trying to take away from the, the power of God, and I'm not trying to take away from the miracles that he performed and, and the things that he did. I, those, I, I, I love that he was able to do those things, but I just want you to understand at the top of this series, you need to fully understand that Jesus was a man. He was a human. In fact, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Think about that. Jesus is able to sympathize with everything that we go through. But we have one, Jesus, who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he was without sin. Here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to do today. I just want you to, I'm just trying to get you to relate to Jesus better. Because when you begin to believe that he really understands what you're going through, and I tell you, you will talk to him differently. You'll treat him differently. You'll love him differently. You will begin to worship him differently. You see, everything, everything will be different when you begin to see Jesus for who he really is. When you begin to understand the real Jesus. I want you to see that, and then the next point that I would love for you to write down is this, is that Jesus understands pain. He understands pain. You see, some of you, you're, you're in pain right now. I'm not just talking about physical pain, but I'm also talking about emotional pain in this category. In fact, I believe that emotional pain is some of the worst pain that there is, some of the worst pain that you can ever go through. 
I want you to see this verse, Isaiah 53, verse 3. It says this. It says, he was despised and rejected by men. It's a man of sorrows, and he's familiar with suffering. He was despised and rejected. Here's what I want to do. I want to dedicate this message to all the young people out there who are watching this, who you've been despised and rejected by your peers. Can I tell you, there, there's nothing worse. Nothing worse. I, I, I remember coming from a really small Christian school and moving into a fairly large public high school. I mean, I went from a class of two to a class of almost 100. I remember that first day of school where it was so hard to find a friend. Everybody knew each other. Everybody, it it was, you know, if you weren't in junior high together, you you missed out on getting in your clique. And can I tell you that I, I remember coming home and just sobbing and never wanting to go back to school. I'm pretty vulnerable here, but I think it's all right. I just, that, that's just, that was my feelings. I never wanted to go back. I can tell you that like all throughout high school, I struggled. I, I didn't, I didn't want to be there. I came and I went, and I didn't care what anybody else thought about me. I just, I just didn't care. I think it's because of that first couple weeks that I was in school where I just didn't feel like I fit in with anybody. And I think it's just ironic because it's funny that now, it's like I, I have better friends now from my high school than when I was in high school. Like I can look around the room and even just see some of them here today. But I say all this to say that it, it sure is nice to know that the one whose name is above every other name went through the same thing that I went through. He was despised. He was rejected, and I dedicate this to every person who's been bullied, who's not athletic enough, not smart enough to make the ranks, and doesn't have the right last name to be able to be on the right list. Can I tell you that Jesus was a man of sorrows, and he was despised and rejected. What does even what, what do you mean by man of sorrows? That means that Jesus would go home, and there would be some times that he would cry himself to sleep. He was familiar with what it was like to suffer. Why? Why? Why does the Bible add this? It's because so the next time that you go through that thing, he would know that he would understand what you're going through. Can I tell you that's, that's just the emotion part about it. That's just the emotional pain. But not only did Jesus go through such such an excruciating emotional pain, but he went through this crucifixion, which I believe is the worst death in human history. I mean, just think about it. I said this a few weeks ago on Easter, but of all the time that Jesus could have, could have come down to the earth and paid for sins and died for our sins, he could, I believe he could have picked any time to come down. But instead, he picked the time where execution was the worst, where he would get whipped and beaten and look unrecognizable because of how beaten he was. There's, can I tell you, and because of that, there is not a pain that you will go through that he doesn't understand think about it he's been through the worst pain in the world he understands the physical pain that you're going through but why it's so the next time that you hurt 
Listen, someone on the other side of this screen, the next time that you have a headache, the next time you break a bone, (laughs) God forbid you get this virus, can I tell you that he's not a faceless God? He's not just a faceless God looking down and judging you. That's not who he is. Jesus understands. He understands. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds. We are healed. Listen, Jesus went through torture so that he could understand the pain that you're going through right now. And I think that's what qualifies Jesus to be your best friend today. I would say (laughs) all of this more than qualifies him to be your best friend. And what I desire more for you than anything else in this message is that you would begin to know him in that way. That you would begin to know the real Jesus. In fact, there's this prophetic verse about Jesus in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. It says, a man of many companions may come to ruin. You, so it's, it's saying that, well, you may have a lot of friends, but, but they're going to let you down. But the Bible continues to say, but it says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You see, one of the traits that I love so much about Jesus is that Jesus is my best friend. And I pray that you can say the same thing. In fact, here's what I want your response to be. I've got three things before we wrap up. Here's, what I, here's how I want you to respond to this message. If you're on the other side of the screen, I would enjoy nothing more than you to respond to this message and do this. Number one, make Jesus your best friend. Sit right here, right now, and decide that Jesus is your best friend. Listen, I'm asking you to change your relationship status on Facebook. <laughs> do it. And just say, you know what? I, my, my best friend is Jesus. And some of you, 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 you only know Jesus as this faceless God. That when something is wrong, that, that you, might, you might decide to go to him. But I want to challenge you. Change that relationship status to BFF. Listen, you need to know him and love him and talk to him every day. Can I tell you that Jesus says that there will be scores of people who only knew him on the Sunday morning kind of flow. That, yeah, they did the religious things. They tuned in to church online, but they, 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 they lived totally different through the rest of the week. And can I tell you that in Matthew chapter 7, the Bible says that, that Jesus says, I never knew you. I never knew you. You see, what he desires more than anything is to be your best friend. He wants to be your best friend. Can I tell you the goal of this message today is for you to know the real Jesus, your best friend, the one, the Emmanuel, that one is up close and personal. Can I tell you that Jesus thinks of you as a friend? In John 15, 15, it says this, I no longer call you servants. 
Because a servant does not know his master's business. You see, you are not just some pawn in, in, in God's master plan. No, the Bible says instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. If Jesus understands relationships, if Jesus understands life, if he understands work, if he understands pain, then why don't you just start to talk to him? Write it down. Talk to him. You need to begin to talk to him. Stop praying formally. Can I tell you? I know a lot of people who, who, who will pray the prayer formally, and they, will just, they, they like to recite the prayer. They, they say, well, now, now I lay me down to sleep. You know, listen, hey, everybody, Jesus has heard that one before. He's heard it before. And, and listen, I, I think I just, when people do that, I think Jesus is just like, hey, on the other end, like, guys, I've heard it before. I already know that one. Just talk to me. Just talk to me. I think that's what Jesus wants. Just talk to him. Talk to him all day long. Can I tell you that the Bible describes prayer that it's not an event. It's a conversation that you have with God all day long. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Without ceasing means that it's not some type of an event. Listen, young people, you should understand this. <laughs> I know a lot of young people who constantly Snapchat each other all the time. And they're Snapchat pictures of absolutely nothing. <laughs> the pictures of the ceiling. I don't, all day long. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm not talking about anything. Well, but you just sit and I, I, don't under, I, I don't understand it. I think I missed that error. But whatever. You understand this? You, what, what are you doing? You, you have a relationship that is happening all day long. You're talking without ceasing. That's what Jesus would love to have. Jesus would love those ceiling pictures, those pictures that look up your nose, whatever it is. He wants to have that kind of relationship. Listen, I just want, you, I just want to let you know that like, you, just need, you just need to talk to Jesus and just say, hey, Jesus, listen, you need to know that I love you. And Jesus, I, I, I tell you, Jesus, will, he'll begin to speak to you in a still, small voice. He'll be like, well, well what's the matter? No, well, well, work. Well, what's the problem with work? Well, I got to go back tomorrow. You know, some of you, you feel, you feel that. But Jesus wants to know that. He wants to know. Talk to him. Tell him what's going on. Can I tell you that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God? But not only is he just sitting at the right hand of God in all this great glory and, and shining like the sun. That's not, not, not only is he doing that, but the Bible says that he is mediating for you. Meaning that when you talk to Jesus, he's in his dad's ear. He's like, Dad, just, just like that annoying son that, that wants something all the time. He's like, he's like Dad, Dad, no, no one needs this. Do you think you could, you, you could, you could help him out? Dad, he needs, he needs your help. Not only does he need your help, but Dad, I remember the pain that he's going through. He's for you. And he knows what you're going through. Hebrews 4.16 says this. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace 
to help us in our time of need. He says that you need to have confidence. Approach Jesus in prayer with confidence because he understands. He understands. And the last one I would love for you to do today, it would be my honor if I could lead you into trusting Jesus with your life. You need to trust him with your life. Listen, if the real Jesus is really that good, if he's really that faithful, if he really understands what you're going through, wouldn't you today just decide on the other side of that screen that I'm going to hand the keys over to him. I'm, handing, I'm, I'm pushing the controls to him. He can have it all. Some of you today, you've never, you've never had a relationship like that with Jesus. You've never known him as your friend. You've never known him as the human that he was. And today is the day that you need to give it all to him. Psalm 37 says this in the NLT. It says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Some of you, you need that help on the other side of this screen. You're desperate for that help. You're desperate to know Jesus for who he is. In fact, if that's you, pray this prayer right after me. Everybody, let's, let's pray this. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for being my savior. Today, I make you my Lord, my best friend. Thank you for coming to this earth and living a life that I couldn't live. Jesus, you are my Lord. I love you. I trust you. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. Say it with me. I am saved. <laughs> you pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, on the other side of that screen, everybody says, amen.